Welcome to Your Cathedral Podcast, a podcast from the Cathedral Church of St. Luke and St. Paul in Charleston, South Carolina. For more information on our church, please visit yourcathedral.org. Will you pray with me? Come, Holy Spirit, come. Come and fill this place. Fill each one of us to overflowing. And Lord, speak through me now that my words would be your words. Your grace and your truth would be spoken, heard, and received deep in our hearts here today. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. John Stott was one of my heroes in the faith and in ministry. He had an illustrious preaching and writing ministry, not to mention what I admired most, which was his steady parish ministry at All Souls Church Langham Place in London, which began in 1945 when he arrived as a curate and lasted until his retirement in the spring of 2007, when he retired as the rector emeritus. He is remembered as one of the most consequential church leaders and teachers of the 20th and 21st century. It would be difficult to name an Anglican clergyman with a more illustrious, influential, and ultimately faithful ministry than John Stott. So, his words, in my estimation, have great weight. And toward the end of his life, after he had written so many books, preached countless sermons covering a multitude of topics, to use his phrase, here's where his mind came to rest. John Stott said this, I want to share with you where my mind has come to rest as I approach the end of my pilgrimage on earth. It is this, God wants His people to become like Christ, for Christ-likeness is the will of God for the people of God. Christ-likeness is the will of God for the people of God. Later this week, on the 17th, it will be the 13th anniversary of my institution as dean and rector of the cathedral church. And as I thought on that and as we begin today, this kickoff Sunday for this new program year, I have reflected a good deal on what our vision has been and should be. And really, our church's vision should be nothing of our own choosing or conception, but should always be nothing less than the will of God for the people of God. And I trust John Stott, after decades and decades in God's service, has it right. Christ-likeness must be God's will for His people. And what else could I or any other leaders at this church want for our people other than God's will for us? And so, in obedience to God's will for us, our vision here at the Cathedral Church of St. Luke and St. Paul is simply this, cultivating Christ-likeness in our common life. Simple and concise though this may be, however, what do we mean by this statement 
of purpose here at the cathedral. How is it done? How do we know if it is being done? I think first we must establish whose work we're talking about here. When I think of cultivation, I think agrarian. And I need to confess I'm not much of a gardener, certainly no farmer, but I can't help but notice that agrarian imagery is perhaps the most commonly used in Scripture to describe things of Christ's kingdom. And so we chose this word, cultivation, cultivating, to define what it is that must happen in the life of the church in order to see the life of Christ in her people. But again, whose work is it? Well, if you ask any gardener or farmer, and if you read the Scriptures, it's clear that this work is not isolated to one set of hands. It is the work both of God and the farmer or gardener. And too often the church gets this wrong and either has the God is my co-pilot bumper sticker, putting too much emphasis upon mankind's work, or has the let go and, and let God bumper sticker, abdicating any responsibility for participation by us, by mankind. And just look at how Jesus describes the kingdom of God in the chapter where our gospel lesson is found this morning. And so if you'd like to open up your Bibles to Mark chapter 4, or you can use those pew Bibles in front of you if you don't have a Bible, that's fine. It's on page 839, Mark chapter 4. In this one very agrarian chapter, Jesus describes the kingdom of God, and by that he means not a territory, but the people who are under the rule of the king. That is himself, Jesus the Christ. And in this one chapter, he compares the kingdom to the soil in the parable of the sower, verses 1 to 9, to the whole farming process in the parable of seed growing in verses 26 to 29, and to the seed and the resulting plant in the parable of the mustard seed, verses 30 to 32. And what's clear is that both God and His people have roles in the kingdom. In the parable of the sower, God is portrayed as the planter of the seeds, but people are responsible for the sort of soil they are. Uh, in the parable of the seed growing, the farmer is the sower of the seeds, but God is the one who causes the seed to sprout and grow. In verse 27, we read, the farmer does not know how. In the parable of the mustard seed, it's unclear who the sower of the seed is, but is, what is clear is that no matter how unworthy and small a person feels, he or she is still called and encouraged by this parable to participate in the great mystery of the least growing up and becoming the greatest. So as far as it depends on us, we felt that a right and proper term to use for our role in the work of the kingdom, and specifically seeing the subjects of the king growing into his likeness, Christ-likeness, we chose the word cultivate. That's what we are. We are cultivators, nothing more and nothing less. I've always um, thought it a bit of a misnomer that those who cultivate grapevines 
are called vine growers. The truth is, no one is a grower except for God, but we are cultivators. You may remember what uh, St. Paul uh, wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 5 and 6 as he was responding to uh, some misplaced partisanship uh, among some factions within the Corinthian church. Some were saying they followed Paul and others Uh, his dynamic successor, Apollos. And so Paul writes to them this, what then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed. As the Lord assigned to each, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So yes, we have a role and it is to cultivate kingdom life here at the cathedral which we believe is evidenced by Christ-likeness in our people. That is, if you will, the, the harvest, we pray God, will grow among us as the mustard seed of the gospel is planted in the soil of our hearts. And though we know not how, the seed sprouts and grows. We don't know how that happens, but we do know a few things about what it is to cultivate that seed. We are to create an environment for potential growth. And that looks like this. We are to create an environment of worship. Uh, First and foremost, we are a worshiping people. We want to set our minds on things that are above where Christ is. We want to worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness, in spirit, and in truth, trusting that as we are before the Lord singing His praises, He will be with us by His Spirit through word and sacrament, granting us wholeness and and healing, forgiveness of sin, so that we might grow into the full stature of Christ. And so here we are. We come Sunday by Sunday, worshiping the Lord within our Anglican tradition of common prayer. And beyond this gathering, week by week, we have morning prayer read by faithful folks here in this church, weekday mornings. We have uh, now, we've begun these wonderful prayer and worship nights uh, where people can come and receive prayer and praise the Lord, have the, 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 the songs uh, wash over them, the, the praises of God's people done in a, in a more informal way, but most importantly, receiving much-needed, edifying prayer for healing. And we also pray that there is, beyond what we do corporately here, that you're doing it in your homes, doing it in community groups, doing it on your own, praying the daily office, and using this prayer book that we've been handed down from generation to generation. And if you don't know how to do that, it's okay. Talk to us. We're happy to teach you. It's, it's not that hard, but we'd love to, to help you with it. So we are to create an environment of worship. We're also to create an environment of discipleship, engaged with, drawing from, training in the Word of God. Thomas Cramer's ancient collect for the second Sunday in Advent captures it well on On that Sunday, each year, we pray this, cultivating prayer. Blessed Lord, who caused all Holy Scriptures to be written for our learning, grant us so to hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, 
that by patience and the comfort of your holy word, we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life which you have given us in our Savior Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. And so the primary place where the common grace of God is experienced, the discipleship of our people here is through our community group ministry. We will talk a little bit more about community groups a little bit later. We also have, beyond that, other opportunities for teaching, public theology, something we do on a monthly basis, and we have some exciting speakers coming. One I want to highlight is coming up in October, Steve Garber coming to be with us, going to do a special retreat uh, with us and also do public theology and, and bring together these important aspects of our life, our faith and our work, and how do those things hold together and how do they inform one another. And we hope you will come and be a part of that. We have, our, of course, teaching and training in the Word of God, discipleship for our children, for our students, for adults, book studies, but also, I hope, just the ordinary iron sharpening of iron interactions between one another over a cup of coffee. So we're to create an environment of discipleship. We're also to create an environment of adoption where strangers are made to be family as quickly as possible and invited to share in our common life. Another way you could describe this is to cultivate an hospitable environment. And isn't that what good gardeners and farmers do for seeds and plants? They make the soil and the environment around the plant hospitable for them to experience growth. And again, we see this lived out in large part uh, through our community groups. That's major purpose for those community groups is that coming together and adopting one another as siblings in Christ. Uh, but also, we, we have all kinds of other gatherings for, for men, for women, for children of all ages, youth. Things like our dinners for nine that we did over the summer. But again, don't underestimate, though, the power of an invitation to bring someone into your home in an informal way. Maybe after this service, you can... Find somebody at, at, at the picnic and, and get to know them a little bit. Maybe next Sunday you could invite them into your home. There's nothing quite like breaking bread together or just having a, a spot of tea together. Not entertaining, but showing hospitality. So we are to create an environment of adoption and we are to create an environment of compassion and mission. Seeking the common good. Never forget that as far as the plant is concerned, the fruit it produces is purely missional. This delicious and, and generous uh, output of the plant is made to be the means by which its seed is spread and new growth is made possible. It does the work of nourishment but also evangelism for the plant. And so we uh, want to be bearing that kind of fruit through things like our partnerships with ministries for the poor in our city, our, our dear friends at the Navigation Center, uh, the Star Gospel Mission. And there's exciting new discussions emerging of possible foreign missions, uh, trips that might be happening in the coming year or years. We'll be welcoming our dear Anglican friends from Burundi and Kenya here in the next 
month. And healing prayer ministry, that is a crucial part of our compassion ministries as we invite people into an environment where the Lord's own compassion and His mercy and His healing power can be received. What can be more compassionate than that? But let's not discount the importance of the simple local acts of compassion in your own spheres, your homes, your neighborhoods, Wherever the Lord takes you, it can't be all about church meetings and church events and church programs. Let it just be a fragrance and a fruitfulness that permeates us all in all the parts of our lives. And so that's cultivation as I see it. But again, what is the harvest we seek? What is the will of God for the people of God? Well, it is Christ-likeness. So how would we describe that? Well, I asked this very question to our staff earlier this week, and what was striking were all the seemingly paradoxical qualities of Christ that were shared. He is powerful, and He is gentle and lowly. He is disruptive, and He's peaceful. He is glorious, and He is humble. He is strong, and He is long-suffering. He is refining, and He is compassionate, He is just, and He is merciful. I think a very good summation of the, the fruit of Christ-likeness is found in the passage we, we read this morning from Galatians chapter 5. Paul refers to the fruits of the Spirit, but let's be clear, these are the fruits of the Spirit of Christ. If you want to look at these, you can look on page 975 in the Pew Bibles, Galatians chapter 5. And in this passage, Paul contrasts the fruits of the Spirit with the works of the flesh. The works of the flesh. This is what happens when mankind usurps and removes God from the work. The works of the flesh, Paul says in verse 19, are evident, but he goes ahead and lists them in anyway. But they really are evident, aren't they? We know them, these rotten things. We know them when we see them without even having to read out this list here. And those works of the flesh are easily linked, I would say, to the things that very often are lifted up as virtues or, or signs of success in our culture and indeed in the Roman culture in which Paul was writing things like power, wealth, fame, pleasure. And they are contrasted by Paul with the fruits of the Spirit, which Paul says are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These are the fruits by God's hand through His Spirit and not works by man's hand through his own striving. But again, with these fruits, Paul is not describing something with which humankind has nothing to do. This whole section is, is kicked off in verse 16 with Paul's instruction to the Galatians that they walk by the Spirit. Then later in verse 25, he calls them to live by the Spirit and to keep in step with the Spirit. He could just as easily have said, cultivate by the Spirit. This is something that must be done by us, but in step 
with the Lord's Spirit. No Christ-likeness will be harvested unless the Lord brings that growth, but growth is more likely when we cultivate an environment for it. Cultivation is our responsibility. A a friend described this uh, cultivation uh, to me this way. He says, it is to take responsibility for another living thing. And so therefore, it is by nature a communal activity. We are cultivating Christ-likeness in one another. Or as we have stated it, we are cultivating Christ-likeness in our common life. And let us be honest, this is not a neat and tidy activity. Our student ministry director, Hunter Myers, reminded us at staff meeting this week of the church in Antioch, the first place where people were called Christians. And the church in Antioch was not a, like a commercial farm with like really neat and, and tidy and, and straight rows. It was a hodgepodge of unruly volunteer shoots and vines. But it was undeniable when the apostles saw the growth. And indeed, when their fellow Antiochian citizens saw it. These people were heavy with the fruits of the Spirit. They were undeniably Christ-like, and so they were called Christians. So we can't control the growth. We can't even guarantee that there will be growth. Very often, we will have disappointing crops, maybe even no crops at all in some seasons. This is not magic, which is all about manipulation and control. Our call is to cultivation of Christ-likeness. It is our calling is our lifelong devotion in good harvests and in lean. We will plant and water and trust that God will bring the growth. Let our minds come to rest on this. We are to cultivate Christ's likeness in our common life for it is the will of God for the people of God. Amen.